What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Heart God Media Presented Sight and Sound Podcast. We are back, and today we are covering a 1990 classic, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, starring many familiar genre faces, and we're going to get into that in a second. But of course, we have our consummate uh, trio to form this four-way, fatal four-way known as the Sight and Sound Podcast. We have Sean Chongo Henderson, we have Eric Scott Tyler, and of course we have BT, the Riddler, Brian Tyler. Hello. Yo. Oh, oh. Hey. Hey, BT. All right. So, how we been, boys? Doing well. Doing well. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Just watched... Uh, the movie a little while ago to uh, get a little refresher and i'm excited to talk about it yeah sean and i put it on as well i mean i didn't need a refresher it was just it's just such a fun watch just to throw it on and just you know bullshit and watch seen it nine million times so i i i'm like it's something you can talk through and laugh through and go through and uh yeah fucking such a blast of a film we're gonna dive into it bt did you watch it recently to 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 buff up about a year ago. There you go. That was close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty fresh in my mind. Did anybody... Uh, I guess to preface this, this is, you know, none of the leather... This is on the eve, the week eve of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre entry coming out on Netflix next week. Aptly titled Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a very clever title. They thought really hard on that. Yeah, title. it's almost as good as uh, Scream. Or Scream 2022. Or, or Halloween 2018. Or Candyman. Or Candyman, yeah. Do you think they're ever going to remake Anaconda now that Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez are reunited on screen for the first time since Anaconda? Those two playing Anaconda together? Be the twist, yeah. Oh, shit. It's a sequel to Anaconda. I fucking hope they never make another Anaconda. That movie was awful. I never watched any of the sequels. Was there two sequels? I think there's multiple sequels. Not to get on a huge Anaconda thing, but let's think about there's a lot of a lot of star power in Anaconda. Oh yeah, for sure. Voight, Stoltz, Cube. Definitely gonna go see Marry Me. I'm gonna wait for streaming. It's on Peacock right now. There you go. Oh, so I'm just gonna wait then. Are you watching Valentine's Day? So as we yeah. have New Metal Sean in the back of Eric's uh, Zoom profile, that's the last one I do. I apologize. I just I'm having a lot of fun with these Zoom backgrounds. Um, we uh covering this film. This is uh, I mean, we always talk about when we cover the films. We always talk about when we saw them. I'll go first 
because I have a long history with this film. I saw this at a young age. Of course, I saw most of my favorite horror movies. <laughs> And that's maybe why I revere some of these ones that are looked at as bad sequels a little bit more than maybe I should. Uh, I don't know. I thought this movie was fucking great when I was a kid. I think it's great now. And I, if I remember correctly, this was the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that I saw. I did not see the first one first. I did not see the second one first. I saw this one first. Uh, I'm probably thinking like maybe 92, 93. I mean, I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I was fucking <laughs> shitting my pants. And I mean, I wasn't shitting my pants at five years old. How old were you in 1992? Four years old. Holy shit, you saw this when you were four? Dude, you realize my parents did not give a fuck about anything, right? <laughs> no, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I think that's what I mean. I think it's awesome. Why do you think I'm as twisted as I am? But <laughs> that's the thing. I could watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 and like, just insane amounts of violence and murder. But as soon as a tit showed up on Cinemax at 10 o'clock, fucking <laughs> your eyes. Can't see <laughs> the tit back in the, when we were kids was like, yeah, like you're fucking turning your head. You're not even fucking closing your eyes. You're turning your fucking head too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why was, that's what I don't get. Like I watched some brutal, brutal movies growing up. And there was no care about those. But if a boob showed up, it was done. Turn it off. You're not not watching this shit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Babysat before. What did you say? BT said he babysat before. What the hell does that have to do with a tit? Eric, remember the Nefs? The Nefs? Shady friends with the car. Yeah. I remember this just made me think of it. The there was this little kid and he wanted to watch a movie and I'm like, we'll pick a movie and he picked Freddy versus Jason. Like it was just his movie. But he was like Yeah, sure. I'm sure it was just him that picked that. (laughs) I'm like, Are you sure? It might be kind of scary for you. And he's like, No, I've seen it. It's my favorite movie. he just instinctually, like, because I didn't even think about it. He just instinctually knew to cover his eyes when there were tits. It sounds but like he, he watched... wanted to watch Land Before Time, and BT's like, no, this is better. <laughs> no, I did not pick the movie, I swear. You're going to see some fucking tits and like it, boy. <laughs> All right. That's just, let's just move on. Start talking about <laughs> the movie, please. <laughs> so... I mean, I remember seeing this young and that that, that that was the first time I saw, you know, the John Larocat narration where it talks about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's the shit, like, specifically with this movie, like, when I saw that shit, that's when my dad was like, yeah, that fucking happened up here and Leatherface moved to New York. Like, <laughs> you tell, like, a five-year-old that and fucking... Can we talk about that really quickly, though? How Like, how that's the thing? The, leather, the, te- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre elements from some new york thing right like how real is that anyone Wait, ever heard that no 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 i've heard i always used to hear that uh there was elements of uh the texas chainsaw massacre film that was like you know from some old story out of new york i mean i i guess it's just probably the same type of thing as your dad just telling you that but people, I mean, always, used to, people always used to say that but that well, yeah, obviously it was based on Ed Gein in Wisconsin, so maybe, right, right. maybe some of that was tied in there. But yeah, like I'm telling you right now, whenever I like, specifically with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, 
and even more specifically with this film, this was the film that scared the shit out of me because of those wooded scenes. You know what I mean? They're in the fucking the woods of Texas. You know, it's really California, but right. uh and also there's a tree in there that is vaguely reminiscent of that tree that Ozzy slips down in Leprechaun when they're going to put the hide the gold coins fucking when they find the rainbow. Right. And I wonder if they're fi- they're both filmed in California, so maybe they're both filmed in the same area. I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, I love uh, I love this film. When did you guys first see this shit? I saw this early two thousands with BT. Um, I think he rented it from Video King. With and- a, you guys watch it with a kid he was babysitting. Yes, um, on VHS, <laughs> and we watch it like this old like giant wooden. Boop TV. Yeah, the the built-in TV. Yeah. Where you got the nice wooded built-in TV where you could set fucking candles and a fucking whose house was that at? It was my house. Oh beautiful. Was that the first time you saw it, BT? Was with Sean and some kid you were babysitting? No, there was no kid. Um thank God. I remember renting it at Video King. And watching it for the first time in my bedroom with some New York pizzeria. I and now I don't. I'm, I'm not sure exactly when it was. I don't know if it was like the same time. Like I like went over to Sean's the next day and watched it with him. But BT, did we watch that one together? What? Did we watch that together? No, the first time I watched it, I was by myself. So it's an intimate story. I like that an intimate feeling you have. Uh, mine was, yeah, mine was around the same, you know, same time in my early teenage years. But, uh, um, well, you know, when you're first discovering uh, all of the franchises, and then you're getting deeper into it. Like, obviously, I think, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise was uh, one of the later ones I checked out. Not really because I dislike it by any means, but you know, you know how when you're younger, you're just kind of weeding your way through everything. So. Um, I actually think this was like the, I think it was the fourth one I actually saw. You know what I mean? I think I saw one, two, next gen, and then and then this one after that. Right. But uh, I liked it a lot. I thought, I don't know, like I, the movie's a lot of fun. But yeah, definitely early early teenage years for me. Um, not with BT, I want to add. No New York pizza in BT's room for me. Yeah, so, I mean, this is... I mean, the, the VHS cover of this thing is so legendary. To me, in my eyes, it's iconic to me just because I remember it so vividly seeing it in the in the video stores and things like that for years and years and years. It's got like a, a catchy cover. You know, it says Leatherface in the bold red lettering. Uh, and uh, the, the like purple and red like lights on Leatherface. Like, I don't know. It's a creepy and it's a great cover. I think it's right it's, it's kind of almost like it's like a silhouette yeah yeah it's it's an awesome awesome cover um and as we've said many times in a lot of the movies we talk about the vhs cover was so integral to the success of the film as far as once it leaves theaters and hits vhs um i do think i mean you guys can weigh in on this this film is a little I won't say completely maligned, but this is looked at as like a weak sequel in a horror franchise. I don't, I could, can't think of anything I could say further from the truth. I think this is a great sequel considering 
Sean and I were talking about this too. You're talking about 1990. Um, it was actually, you know, filmed obviously in 80, 89 and it was supposed to come out in 89 too, I believe. And it got, just got putting, getting pushed back because of the cuts and Billy Butler obviously was in two iconic, I, to me, iconic horror films of 1990, the dead remake and ni- dead 90 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre three Leatherface. Uh, both those movies suffered a lot of cuts and a lot of issue getting released initially because the MPAA just kept cutting, wanting them to cut and cut and cut and cut. Uh, even though it's cut and even, you know, like Savini doesn't think that 90 is like what it should have been, but he, I know he's revised kind of how he feels about it. He feels better about it than he did before because of all the cutting. And I think what he has said about dead 90 rings true for this movie where I think, it the stuff that you don't see and what your mind makes up is more gory and more crazy than what they could would ever be able to show anyway so i always thought this movie kind of had that in its hand and it also had i think an awesome cast joe unger as tank vigo mortensen obviously if no one's familiar uh this is what got him this movie essentially through you know the the grapevine ended up getting him the role of Lord of the Rings because Mike DeLuca saw him, who was a new line executive and Peter Jackson, you know, knew about him from this and DeLuca, obviously a new line exec talking with Jackson. That's how Vigo first got on their radar was through this movie. Cause this is a new line film. So without Leatherface, we may have never gotten Vigo in the Lord of the Rings movies, which is crazy to think about. That's insane. I actually didn't know that because it's such a gap in those movies and Vigo had done right obviously right. a lot before that. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah, that he that's how he got on to Mike DeLuca's and and New Line's uh right talent radar. Um and Ken Foray, uh I know people pronounce it Foray. I've heard I, I've heard Foray. I say Foray, I've always said Foray. Um Kate Hodge is great in this Billy Butler, uh, obviously a genre icon, uh, special effects by K and B Jeff Burr doing, doing the directing, uh, kind of a sequel master, uh, in my eyes and just, uh, Tom Everett in, in as, uh, Alfredo great name for a gas station attendant <laughs> with a bummer. And, I, and, a, and, and I'd like to sit, I'd like to say, I know we're going to talk more about, Maybe the best character in the movie. I mean, the oh, one-liner. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna dive in right now because this the is the one-liners that he that, that he puts out, his character puts off. Oh my and, god! And because they don't, in the special features of the DVD, which has been transposed over to the Warner Archive Blu-ray release, um, they don't they talk about like the film and Jeff Burr talks about what a a a bitch shoot it was, how he got fired on the set and then came back because they couldn't find anybody <laughs> to fucking finish it. Ended up coming back, um. I wonder, though, did Tom Everett, not Tom Everett Scott, but Tom Everett, uh, did Sean brought up a good point when we were reviewing this earlier. You know, were, was that was that shit improvised? Because it's just so like when he's sing, when he's bringing the bodies out to the swamp and yeah. he's just like talking to himself and singing and he's just like, take your little fucking face text <laughs> and ram it up your butt. Yeah, like this. And the stuff when he's like pumping the gas and stuff, like yeah, like it almost feels yeah. like does someone actually write all that stuff out in the he had like the, I'm telling you right now, he had to have like especially because I'm telling you right now, I fucking lose it every single time when when uh 
when he's throwing the bodies in the fucking in the swamp and he's like throwing heads in there and he's talking about he's like you used to have a good time and all that <laughs> fucked up shit and he's just like he's just saying like shit that doesn't make any sense he's like he claims he needed us housework like and like <laughs> like what the, and then fucking when ken when ben, benny amazing name amazing character ken foray fucking kills it as benny the savior Ken Foray is like the, literally like the horror the horror final man. Is he not like he's got? Yeah, it. I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously putting it out there with Don, and then his characters are almost kind of similar. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I know I know it's like kind of a stretch, but he carries a similar role in this one as like the protector. When he confronts Alfredo, when he gets Alfredo in the woods at night, and he's just like, he's like, uh, how many? How many what, OJ? <laughs> he calls him OJ. What the, and that was before that was before the OJ fucking trial and all the murder and everything. So like, yeah, what, what did he think to call Ken Foray OJ? Like, like that was the closest because he's a backwoods hick. That was the closest thing to a black man that he knew was OJ the Bills, the or the you know the football player. He's, How many what, OJ? Like, yeah. Like it's so fucking over the top. Sometimes you hear lines in, in, in films like this and you think to yourself, like, A, did someone write that? B, what the hell were they thinking when they wrote it? If they did, and like if not, is it improv? And it's hilarious. It's like that shit though, when him and Foray, like, I wish there was a whole like 40 minutes of him and Foray going back and forth chasing each other in the woods. <laughs> That's what I noticed about. I noticed about like this movie really? with the with the know, fresh. Right? What's that? What's that again? BT said it's not. That sounds cute. Oh, I, I was saying. Uh, that's what I kind of noticed in this. Uh, you know, in the in the recent rewatches, like the 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 fights between characters, like they really, you could tell they uh, they put a lot into it, like with Foray and, and Leatherface, and yep. and what you're talking about there. And I did see that I something I didn't notice before, and I guess maybe it was off my radar. It, sa- it says that uh, Hodder was the stunt coordinator. Yep, yep. So I'd imagine that he had a lot of uh, say in, in, in that in those scenes, for sure. Now, this this movie aesthetically and look wise, I feel like I don't know. It catered to me, and I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing. Maybe you guys can way in do you think i mean this movie just kind of bleeds that like you can just i don't know it just feels like you can tell we just came into the 90s even though the film was filmed in 89 didn't come out till 90 um i don't know it just feels like that early it brings me back to like those early 90s days when i remember like some of my first memories like i think about this film and so many others but like i think about like seeing this film and like going out in the woods like around my parents' house and like thinking about this film and thinking about like, you know, all Friday 13th movies and stuff that I was seeing at the time, uh, getting exposed to my young brain, like, and, and just, I think growing up in kind of the rural areas, I've talked about it before, like it's kind of just honed in on like maybe these movies meaning more to me than they do to the average person. As far as like me thinking Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three is fucking (laughs) amazing, but to kind of, boil into the how the movie starts i like i love how it like intros with like the credits and leatherface cutting up like you know flesh and making a mass and we got uh we got tawny hudson who was in just one of the guys and nine million other things playing that girl that's running around that later ken kenny runs into in the woods but um 
that's like a great open. It's a great opening sequence. I love the title card. Uh, and it's just fucking, it's creepy. And, and like when they're, they fast forward to Kate Hodge and, and, uh, Ryan, AKA Billy Butler, uh, in the car and they're driving. And then when it turns to night and they've discovered the body pit, the body pit scene is like, has haunted me for years. Yeah. That's a great scene. Especially like that the, is- the decaying heads with the worms in his mouth. Yeah. Out. And, yeah. and they, they, that's where dialogue, I think, that's what kills me too, is like someone would probably try to butcher this movie for the dialogue thinking it's not good. The dialogue kind of made this movie in the scene like that where Billy Butler's character is talking about how, you know, how the, the fatty uh, tissue and, and the fat breaks down and turns into poison Crisco. Uh, like that stuff, like when you think about that, that's what like creeped me out as a kid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the like you said with the opening sequence too. I think that just kind of it's a great lead off of just oh yeah, you know the kind of the brutality of of what's to come and like I guess the grotesque, you know the obviously all the Texas Chainsaw Massacres have like a a certain amount of intensity to them and like um, the word I you know grotesque or whatever and, and this one like obviously starts off with that with the the mask scene and and some of the body part scenes and stuff like that. Now, my next question is, how many of us wish that we worked at a gas station where we were cutting up nudie mags <laughs> and hanging them everywhere and had a peephole to the bad girl's bathroom? <laughs> well, I don't know if I wish that, but uh, I think the reason why we connect, why we like what you're talking about, why this movie, there's a connection. And I think I know it sounds crazy, but like, yeah, like the, we lived in such a rural town and like. I know like New York is people don't think rural, but our town's pretty rural. Not like, you yeah. know, it's not, th- it's not this, but uh, I just think it's cool to see uh, films that are centered around areas that look like kind of where you, you grew up, you know what right, I mean? Right. And honestly, if you went to, if you went to like lose village service in the early to mid nineties, you would see where they got all the guys were working. They hung pictures oh, of yeah. like nude models up. Oh yeah, like, for sure. It's just like a public. Think about that now. You could never do that now. No, like a different. Time, imagine yeah. walking into a garage like you're like a middle aged woman. You're walking into the garage and there's just like nude models from like the Tropicana like centerfold that just like yeah. hung up like well, nude. Well, the funny thing is, just recently when I got my brakes done, I brought it to a garage with fucking uh, photos of women just hanging around all over the place. I'm like, Jesus! What garage did you bring? It was fucking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the titty you know, twister. You hop in the DeLorean and went back to the fucking. No, can we get a quick? Can we get a quick wellness check on BT? BT. Yeah, I'm just planning on the next thing that I'm gonna say. What do you got to say? Bust it open. Well, why don't we let Sean finish his story? Sean, finish your story. Wait, where the fuck did you see? It was like Adam Sirius. Remember, I told you I got my. Yeah, that's not a real fucking. That's like me and you, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. He has a business card though. Yeah. It's a garage. Yeah. <laughs> Come around just, the back of my garage. I'll dude, watch you take a leap, boy. So the point yeah. is, if you ever go to this place, it's legit straight out of fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He has like, where is it? Is that at his house? Dude, it's down by like the fucking mucks of Canastota. Yeah, that's where like he's. No, is this that's the, where they live. His father, because his father lives over on uh, over there. He's a, he's one of the Bunker Hill boys. <laughs> but yeah, no, he has like fucking um, mannequins like going down his driveway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where they yeah. like. That's the yeah, that's, that's their compound. That's his dad. His dad, Spike. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the shout out to Adam Serio if he's listening. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. 
He bought Sash's truck after Sash died. I sold it to him. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's funny to see those characters and like like I said, like you go into a gas station and there's just like topless pictures of topless women hanging. It brings me back to a, a bygone era. Maybe in in L.A. there wasn't garages where just like there's big new posters of nude women by the mechanics fucking workbench or anything, but there was where we grew up. <laughs> Yes, there 100 percent was in a garage or a public establishment. But I remember one of my earliest memories, actually. Well, I we grew up in a trailer park. Eric, you remember that crazy asshole that used to babysit me, the woman? I do. Yeah. She had a son who I don't remember like seeing much, but I like looked in his bedroom once, and there were nude photos all over the place. Is that what turned you? Good photos of women, Justin. Yeah, I'm saying did that did that frighten you at a young age, and you're like, no, not for me, bro. Yep, that must be it. I'm just kidding. Jeez, you gotta take it so serious. BT outed us as tra- trailer trash real quick there. Yeah. <laughs> See, how come every time I like go along with a joke and play along, you are like, oh my god, don't be so serious. I know, I'm joking. I'm joking. Wait, who's been saying you're being serious? I just was making a joke that you outed us as trailer trash. We just lost a couple listeners. What? He said, "Why did you out them? Why did you out you, him and you? You and he? He and I? Oh, you and how? Oh, you and him? It builds character. <laughs> it builds character. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. It, it does actually. Look at us now. Look These are Alfredo's cousins. Now. <laughs> now we're on a podcast. <laughs> they clean and they do housework. Uh, <laughs> I'm um, pretty much freaking white-eyed guy. Oh." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh it so this movie obviously it, it kind of captures that time period of late 80s early 90s for sure before grunge took over um and then everyone got depressed and stopped listening to good music uh not that i'm just kidding i i like a i lot. know i, I know. just don't okay. i just don't think Alice in Chains should be considered grunge i think they're better than all the grunge bands but anyway um yeah it's uh it's funny to to look back on this and there's so much crazy shit going on. We get obviously Vigo Mortensen plays the uh plays the new hitchhiker, as it were. Uh in in this uh Drayton Sawyer is the one who died in a gas chamber in nineteen eighty one, right? Or was that the other one? That was the other hitchhiker at the beginning when they say that he died in that he died at the when Jordan Larocat's introducing the the the, yeah, like in the scroll, the very the prologue or whatever. Yeah. Uh I assume they call him W.E. Sawyer, right? So I assume that's supposed to be uh the cook who Yeah, I thought, you know, I thought the dad died. Named Drake Sawyer in the second one, but we're sort of ignoring the second one. Right. Did they not say Drayton or did they say they said W.E. Sawyer, right? Yeah, W.E. W.E. For some reason I thought W.E. Sawyer was the hitchhiker. Didn't the hitchhiker like get smushed by a truck? Maybe you're right. Yes. Where's the old fuck you, Charlie? W.E. Sawyer. Yeah, it was Drayton. It was Drayton. Yeah, I just wanted to verify that. Um, yeah, so it was Drayton Sawyer. So in this one, obviously, it you know it says Drayton died in 80, 81 in a gas chamber, so it negates the second film. 
at least right. timeline wise, it does. Um, it's the first requel. Yes, the first requel. <laughs> it's super meta. Yeah, <laughs> ultra meta. Um, but yeah, we get Vigo. He, he obviously he sends him down the wrong road. Uh, the armadillo scene though always uh, always got me. For some reason, I was I was just like, this is it. Just like you know, turned your stomach a little bit that they were gonna have they were gonna kill this. They had to kill this armadillo and. And obviously, that there's you? yeah, it's definitely what turned me. Uh, <laughs> and there's nothing. I guess there was nothing more. There was no animal more Texas than an armadillo at the time, or probably now even. Actually, maybe Joe Rogan's the new Texas animal. <laughs> uh, but regardless, is, is that too soon? It's uh, it's it's funny to to go back and and to just kind of think about this film every time I watch it, like brings, brings you back to that. Uh, so the, the house, the house that this is at is like, I feel like I wish I saw more of the house. I wish they did more of the house. Obviously we saw Leatherface's offspring, uh, in a like room of fucking bones at one point. Uh, the the grandfather's just withered into nothing. Yeah, he's just got the bloody mouth, just fucking mummified. Fucking Yuki Wickham's fucking rolling around with the fucking with the the tra- tracheotomy voice box. <laughs> the early cane. That's an early cane. <laughs> uh, and uh, but the Joe Unger character as Tank, who is another brother, you know, another yeah. another family member. Uh, that yeah. we, had, you know, not been. Uh, those fucking stories love pumping those kids up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, they know what to do with them parts. <laughs> um, it's uh, that character Joe Unger. I was talking to Sean about this earlier too. Joe Unger is one of those guys. You know, he was in Roadhouse. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was in another Jeff Burr film called The uh, Pumpkinhead Two Blood Wings. He was in. He's been in films. He's never done a con that I've known of, and I wish he would. And he is just like one of those guys I wish I saw more of, especially after I saw him in this film as Tank, because he is so great as like the guy with the hook hand. And yeah. it's just that that whole thing where he they, you know, eventually Vigo Mortensen as the as Tex the hitchhiker gets uh, runs out in front of the car, and and the Leatherface eventually you know starts attacking them. And then, you know, Benny and them get into the accident. His Jeep's upside down. Uh, I love that scene. It's so, like, eerie. And I got I to gotta hear what you guys actually think about this scene. Where, where Joe Unger is, you know, lighting flares and he's coming to, like... It's super creepy and I just love how the creepiness of the scene where he's lighting the flares as Benny's, like, making his way back up the hill and he's getting to talk, starting to talk to him. And it's yeah. just... He, you couldn't have found a better guy to play this character of Tank than Joe Unger. No, I, I do love like the buildup too. Like as like he's yeah. the flares point out, and then the camera slowly there, like like some good suspense, and it's not like I feel like that kind of filmmaking of that suspenseful like, but not like oh my god, there he is. Like Ooh. yeah, like almost just like a they paced it well. I don't know. It. I just think it's just such a captivating scene for me. Yeah, there's like a bit of paranormal. Go ahead, BT. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Can we stop pausing? Wait, I did. We didn't did hear you. you. Guys, did you not hear me? Yeah, because you're not on Zoom. 
Oh, okay. Talk. What do you want me to say, Eric? Talk. I was just saying. I was just going to say that scene, especially like they, like you said, like how the pace, like they just kind of almost build the paranoia with like, with the with the exchanges of the characters. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, it's like suspenseful kind of. You know what I mean? Like you know something fucked up is about to happen, but you don't exactly know what. Right. And it's and both. Ben- both both of those characters really drive that. And Benny and already... Then... Go ahead. That's the first time we see him, right, too? Yeah, yeah. Like, this this is the first time that you see Tank. Great introduction. Yeah. And I love the lighting in that scene. Like, obviously, he's lighting flares, but it's it just looks really cool. Is that not reminiscent of the cover, though, too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they do a good job with the with the lighting in a lot of the scenes, especially like in the woods and stuff, like the backlighting, like yeah. I don't know, like to build the creepiness. For sure. I mean, it's a huge part of the the scenery, the setting is a huge part of any Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and this one I think lives up to the creepiness, the eeriness, and the iconicness of setting a scene in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film that the other two films have done. And honestly, this might be the last the last Texas Chainsaw Massacre film where the setting was it felt like it was as important and played almost a character in and of itself. Yeah, no, I'm, I have to figure somebody else was going to talk. I didn't want to cut anybody else. But yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think one of the huge things about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, obviously there's the characters are, are huge, but the setting plays such a big, maybe maybe more integral than any of the other ones. You know what I mean? Like the setting, like it makes the films of it is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like it builds, you know, you're thinking rural Texas. Like, I don't know if any of the big franchises, like obviously you have Crystal Lake and that stuff, but um, I don't know. I just think that the setting and everything that has to do with, with the setting of the films really just adds to it almost more than any of the other, other big franchises, honestly. Yeah, for sure. This is the first one not filmed in Texas, too. This was filmed in Southern California just because it was cheaper. And right. You can imagine how I mean, just to think about like, I mean, it sounds like kind of simple to even say, but like, think about how much it would cost to like one. You got to move all that stuff out. You're going to send trucks all the way into Texas from California and be in like weather that is significantly hotter by like 25 30 degrees daily and at night like it just it it was probably a good idea to keep it in california uh i know that there was some uh there was some like people that talked about how they felt like it wasn't in texas i didn't get that i don't know i felt like it was just as texas yeah for sure i agree and and what i just want to touch on what i was saying before like when you look at like Halloween, like Halloween is in Haddonfield, Illinois, of course, but that could have been any state really. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like the first Halloween. The, and the same thing with, you know, Friday the 13th, it could have been a, a campground anywhere. Um, but when you think of Texas, I know Texas has different areas, but there's a certain look, you know what I mean? It, it creates a certain look and a certain feel um, those films. And I, and like I said, they're, they're more integral. I think it's more integral than, than any of the other ones, I believe. So, what were you gonna say, Brian? Um, yeah, I was surprised when I first learned that it wasn't actually filmed in Texas. 
I think it was, I think I was taking some stupid like horror movie quiz online. This was like when I was a teenager, probably, and I asked like which Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't actually filmed in Texas, and I'm like, oh, it must be the Next Generation. I was say, where was Next Generation filmed? It was actually filmed in Texas, yeah. but yeah. they all actually do feel like Texas to me. Like when even, I even think three, of Texas, like, I, I think, think of these movies like big time. They do a really good job making it feel like Texas. Well, I'm saying like, yeah, like whenever I think of like the actual state of Texas, like this is why it pictures right. these movies. Right, exactly. It's uh, and just uh, there's there's comedy to this movie too that I think like maybe a normal person wouldn't find it like as funny as we do, but like when he's on the little like '80s uh, learning child learning device and he sees a clown and he's typing F O O D. Uh, I don't know why that was like hilarious, but also creepy. It, it is hilarious. It's supposed to be funny, right? I think so, but it's also when you really think about it, like that's how twisted Leatherface truly is. He sees any kind of thing, anything that resembles a human. He <laughs> F O O D. <laughs> Try again. Right. Uh, and I love that he has his own little workshop in this movie. Like he always, he obviously had like his back room. Or with like the kitchen you know, slamming the door and stuff. but i like that they're like leatherface go out there and build yourself a little shed with little bones and all that stuff like i like that he had his own little shed out there it was like yeah, i mean playroom yeah it's, it's playroom right <laughs> well he does have a child's brain uh and it's uh there's so much like i said the, the comedy in this is hilarious when fucking when Ken Foray is, is fighting with Vigo and he's just like, he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, we're hungry. You ever heard of pizza? <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking, like so goofy, but funny. And uh, Billy Butler is great as like the vulnerable playing, like, you know, the vulnerable female type character that that is, you know, in all these, most of these horror movies from the heyday, he plays a great scream king as it were as like the you know the guy that's kind of losing it and is playing the, the the scream queen type character he plays he plays it amazing he really is truly great in this is ryan i can't fucking stand him in this movie Why, really? do, you think, do you think he's a whiny bitch you know it's not his acting it's not his acting it's more like his character and his dialogue i'm talking like before everything starts happening I don't he's know. kind of he's I, kind of a dick. Yeah, I mean that's the character. Right? He's supposed to be a dick. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like a pompous. You know, he he was obviously he took pre med courses and stuff like that. Obviously, that's mentioned. So I think right. he, he's supposed to come off as like the you know the 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 smarty you know Californian guy, right. which is it's funny you know to to think about it. It's the I don't know. I just think it's. This movie's just so fun to watch now because of obviously the overflooding Texas has with Californians now. Leatherface and the family would be loving it right now. They'd be on fucking they'd have fucking food for years. No. Yeah, they would be pumped. What is Michelle's and Ryan's relationship? They are like currently broken up. They're like broken up boyfriend, girlfriend. Because they're talking about talking about, you know, needing time. She needs time away or whatever. Uh, and so they are like boyfriend, girlfriend, but like broken up. 
Why do you think they felt felt that it was necessary? Several watches to come to that conclusion. Because the first time I watched it, I thought they were brother and sister. Like the way they like bickered all the time. Well, good thing and they didn't like, fuck. This would have went uh, way in Southern. Yeah, but they would have fed in Texas though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the first time I watched it, I wasn't paying as much attention to the dialogue, but they gave me like this bickering brother and sister vibe. And I just, I don't know. I just couldn't see them in a relationship together, but I guess that makes sense because they're having problems. Wouldn't have worked out. That's going to be the most awkward fucking road trip ever. She's going to go fuck Benny now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her, her and Benny were definitely, they were, they were definitely doing the twist for sure. And Benny is probably my favorite character in the whole series. Yeah, it's up there. I've, I haven't been able to. You've mentioned Ken Frey's character a lot, and I haven't been able to chime in about that yet. But yeah, probably you know him and, and Stretch, and I don't know, great characters. Matthew McConaughey's character is up there for me as well. It is. It it is a a pretty iconic character as far as craziness. But but uh, yeah, this. There was just, I don't know, and I like that most of this took place at night. I don't know. I guess on the contrast, because so much of the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre was in the day. Um, And there was, I guess there was, it was like mostly night, I guess, in two. Like, it was like, there was some daylight scenes, obviously, where when they were like at the chili, at the chili cook-off, when they were you know, discovering the the two college kids that they ran off the road and when he's in, the, you know, looking for, but there isn't like action during the day. It's all at night. And I don't know. I just liked to Eric's point, all the lighting was great. Everything looked great. As far as the set goes, I probably couldn't give, I probably between the set and all the practical effects and the stunt coordination. I really think they knocked this movie out of the park. I don't know. I don't fucking get the hate. I think, I think anybody that like has like nothing but negative things to say about this, uh, I think this movie wasn't meant for you. And a lot of horror movies, I think that most of us revere probably weren't meant for you either. Speaking of the set, one thing I noticed when we were watching it, the Leatherface house in this movie looks really close to the uh, house in Devil's Rejects. Yeah, it got a feel to it too, for sure. I think like when it comes to the hate, like it's like we talk about all the time, like where people revere the the original so much that they don't they don't even give the some of the sequels a chance at all. Like, does this is this better than the original? No, but you know what I mean? Like people don't see it for what it is. Like they wanna compare it to the original and like you can't do that. Like it's a sequel, it's its own it's its own movie. And like you're not always going to recreate like the, you know, the magic from the first one, but that I just hate it when people go in with like negative vibes, like, and I think that's what it is. I think in the, the narrative, like you said, for some movies, like the narrative with between in, in the genre of like fans, people hate certain movies. And then some people run with that. Like, Oh, like that movie sucks. Like, right. Right. Oh, Halloween three, Halloween three doesn't have Michael Myers. That's stupid. That's a dumb story. I hate people still say that today. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Get the fuck out of here. It's... uh, That's what it is, too. Like, someone says it, it catches on, and that becomes the, like, standard, and, like, it it tries to get relayed as fact. Like, 
okay, like this is, you know, a sequel, so it's bad. Like, and I don't know. I, I always enjoyed all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies for what they were. Um, this one specifically, it was the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that I saw. I've always just had a dear, near and dear place uh, in my heart it has. And I've just enjoyed it so much. And I don't know. I just love the characters. I'm high loft. I mean, we can't, we can't not mention him. I mean, he plays a great Leatherface, I think. I mean, if there was ever, if there was ever a worthy successor to Gunner, to Gunner it was, it's Ari Mihailov, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he, I mean, obviously he does a great job with the, like the, the chainsaw scenes of like, a, you know, a, the, the brutal attacking scenes, but also like the scenes where he's like, like I said, he's playing that little electronic game and stuff like those scenes like can't be easy to do, to be honest with you. Like you're like playing like this fucking, I mean, obviously the character of Leatherface is a complex. I mean, it, it may look like it's not, but it's complex. I mean, think about oh, it. Yeah. Like, like I said, with a child's brain, almost like it's like, I don't know, like that clown thing with the food. I don't know. I, I, I thought he did a really good job with that for sure. He's at least a savant. He knows his saws. Exactly. And what does everyone think of the chainsaw in this? Oh, it's epic. I mean, right? That's what I think. How awesome is that? The chainsaw reveal, too, with the engraved. So that's my question is who did they bring this to in town? They're just like, (laughs) Tink's like, I got a big job for you, boy. I want you to carve the saw's family right in this blade here. Like, that's what's so funny. Like, to think about that, like, I would love to see I that. Thought, I always thought he made it himself. If he oh, did, he's, he's a craftsman. Because he's, he's always tinkering with oh, stuff. Yeah. That's his whole thing. What the fuck you think the flares are for, stupid? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I don't know. I don't know why that, that made me funny. He didn't call him asshole. He didn't call him dickhead. He didn't call him motherfucker. He called him stupid. What do you think these fucking flares are for, stupid? <laughs> That's that's the ultimate insult. When you get called idiot or stupid or banana head. Banana head. It really does make you feel like a piece of shit. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, what's your guys' thoughts on the saw? Obviously, saw is fucking so epic. In the trailer, we saw like a big over-the-top trailer where they throw it into like a fucking mistress, medieval mistress in the (laughs) lake fucking the saw comes out of the lake and throws it to Yeah, yeah I mean, love how they brought that line down. The Saw's family. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I, I love how even though they were ignoring two kind of, um, there's still a few paid it respect. Cool yeah, it. I agree. Is there anything else we missed? Leatherface the, loves music. He's got his Walkman. The oh, yeah. Walkman. I don't know why that kills me too. When fucking Tank's just pissed off at him, he throws his fucking Walkman in the in the oven, and he's just like, "No, motherfucker, you're getting it out. Not with the hook hand. With your good hand." <laughs> what do you think he's jamming? Texas Hippie Coalition or what? Oh, he's de- <laughs> He's definitely. I don't know. Saigon Kick probably. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing I like about this movie too. Like with like the generic metal music during like some scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was that's something I did want to. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that, Chong. As the music, uh, the the score in this is fucking awesome. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead, Brian. 
I was just going to say one thing I've always said I love about this one is I think more than any other uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, maybe the original, this one, they like genuinely feel like a family. Like they're not just psychopaths. It's like a family that actually cares about each other. And there's like a couple little like tender moments. Yeah. Little little liar face kissing his daughter. I don't know if you guys know this, but I don't know what the song is. But the, uh, I think it's the Chris Benoit, not the Chris Benoit. What's how's Chris Benoit's music go? The classic song. Okay, so it's some other wrestlers. I think Dean Malenko. This WWF theme. It might have been Dean Malenko's song. Should try to try find it. But the DVD version, the song that's playing in it is a wrestling theme song from like mid early two thousands WWE. Hmm. And it's just got like Joe Unger going, go get the meat. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible menu to like wake up to on the middle of the night if you fell asleep to the movie. <laughs> it's on it's the tip of my tongue. I want to say it's either Dim Link or it was fucking um, Crash Holly. It was Crash Holly. It's Crash Holly's music. Oh my God. Well, he's a big, he's a big fan of the film too. So RIP Crash. Yeah, it was definitely not Demon Link. It was definitely Crash Holly. Yeah. Or was it Hardcore Holly? It was Bob Holly. Hardcore Bob Holly when he was Hardcore Holly. It was Molly Holly. Is this one right here? Yep. Is that Crash? Yeah. Remember, he's 400 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. I got to say that, too. I, I, I remember when this got released on DVD. It was December 2003. I remember the fucking day. Because I went to fucking Best Buy and I, because it was the only place I could find that had it. I knew that would have it. And I bought this fucking movie at Best Buy the day it came out in 2003 on DVD. I remember it vividly. I still have the DVD, even though I have the Blu-ray, because I'll never get rid of it. Because I fucking love that. I remember just not, for whatever reason, I didn't go to school. And I remember going out there with Sash and and going there and he, he bought me that. And I fucking have that DVD. And I remember being so pumped that it was finally on DVD. And yeah, I fucking love this movie. This movie is so fucking sick. I, I don't understand the hate. I just don't. Like, there's definitely way worse Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies out there. Yeah, pretty much any of them beyond this one, like, is pretty questionable. I mean, we were, we were talking about, you know, how the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003 is probably one of the better, better remakes. Re- horror remakes for sure, post, post 2000 for sure. I think this is like one of, the- the only franchises where like the popular consensus is that the remake is the best one like i just i don't know i just see a lot of like talk that people think the remake's the best one the be- better than the original yeah a lot of people say that that's great that's, cra- that's a cr- that's crazy hey chris tyler said it even i don't agree with it of course but the remake's a pretty popular movie. Yeah, I, I remember dad really, it, was. it was huge. Did Dad really say that? You know, usually, I understand when when there's like a horror sequel that I love that other people hate. I can at least understand why people hate it, like Halloween Five, for example. But with Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre Three, I really just I don't get it. Like, sure, the Empire cut out a lot, and there's some quick cuts, and you can kind of tell that's the only like thing about the movie that i can understand someone saying oh that kind of sucks but 
nothing that affects the overall quality of the movie. I don't think so. So, I guess with everything we've talked about in this film, where would you guys rate it? I guess if you were rating this thing out of ten, what do you? What would you give it? Oh, it's an eight point five out of ten. Seven. What about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, I give it a seven and seven and a half, eight, something like that. Yeah, uh, I'd probably settle with about what Sean's at an eight point five, maybe even a nine, maybe even a nine on some days. There you go. I'm really bad at like rating, giving movies. I'm almost gonna abandon the rating system. You can't. <laughs> How many slices like, out of pizza would you give us? <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a yeah seven to seven, probably seven and a half. It's a fun fucking film. Who's everyone's favorite character? Mine's got to be Tank. It's got to be Tank. Joe Unger. Tank is out there and say mm-hmm. what up, Fredo. Tell me, Alfred. Any any redneck character, I'm all about. Fredo. You know what's funny when he's fucking when Ken Frey's backing him up too with the gun in the woods, and he's just like, he's like, no, I got only one thing to say to you right now, baby. I do not like the tone of your voice. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Fucking great. Uh, Shout out to Jeff Burr. Uh, despite all the craziness of trying to get this film made, I think it's a fucking awesome film. I love and revere it. Fucking K&B, Ari Mihailov, Kate Hodge, Billy Butler, Ken Foray, Vigo, Joe Unger. I mean, what a fucking awesome cast. Uh, what a fun fucking film. Uh, go check it out if you haven't. It's uh, you Buy the DVD or buy the Blu-ray. Don't stream the shit. Own it. Own it for that awesome fucking cover. Uh, but Sean, yeah, I have a question for Sean. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Um, do you feel that you connect uh, with Leatherface on a personal oh, level? You already asked me this question earlier today. I know. <laughs> he did. Talk feel like- more, he did talk more in a, this Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. Than I think he may have talked ever. I think it's easier. I mean, talk. Do you ever think about putting on a? Skin mask. Well, I did at your Halloween party. Well, there you have it, folks. You set me up for that, you sick son of a bitch. You check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Stream us on our host site as well. Anchor. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Heart Guide Media. This has been the Sight and Sound Podcast. And uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, what you like go check out some of our latest episodes we did blood sport with my boy charlie and eric uh we covered blood sport uh those interviews with 18 visions are both still up and streaming they are officially our one and two uh most popular episodes streamed downloaded played all time uh with james hart and keith barney uh so check those out and check out uh anything else and we have the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie coming out uh, February 18th, next Friday. Uh, and, yeah, check it out. And, yeah, a little uh, a little pregame. This is a nice little pregame episode if you want to 
start kicking off the series, uh, you can listen to this episode after you watch the movie and uh, get pumped for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yeah, we're out, fellas. Hell yeah, good time. Bye. Bye, Brian.